0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our The Time Is Now series, which walks through the book of Nehemiah. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, But Nehemiah 7 is where we're at, so I'll give you a a recap in just a minute, but if you've ever uh, been doing something That you're unfamiliar with, then you are probably, you're probably going to be very reliant upon instructions. How many of you have ever started a new job and you did not know what you were doing? Raise your hand, be honest. All of us, probably. Probably we've started, listen, uh, if you've raised kids, you did not know what you were doing. Now you thought you did. Right? That's all of us. Like, before we have kids, we're the best parents in the world. Right? Before you have kids, you are the answer to everybody else's life crises. Like, I've got got your home. Just give your kids to me for a week. See if they behave, behave like that. And then you have kids, and you're like, oh, where's the instruction manual? If you've ever started something new, or if you've ever been going somewhere new, usually you lean on Instructions. Yesterday we were, excuse me, we were leaving uh, the camp down in. Goldendale, Washington, Camp Graceway. And um, I asked Hannah, I said, hey, honey, would you would you be able to drive? Because if you drive, then I can not have to stay up as late on Saturday night. Because I didn't get as much study time this week uh, with being, in the off- being out of the office for three days this week. And so I was like, I just need some study time. So could you drive? It'll just really help. She said, yeah, I'll drive. And so we got uh, out of our hotel and went to, uh, got, got some gas and then went to get some coffee, which I spilled on myself. I told that in the starting point class this morning spilled it all over myself and then we went to eat later and I forgot I had coffee and so here I am walking around in this little deli with coffee stain all over my leg it's a good thing I didn't remember because I would have been acting all awkward the entire time like hey how you doing good to see you you know anyway back to my story we got coffee we switched, and so now she's going to drive. I got my computer out. I'm, I'm starting to, to study and type and do some different things and finish up the message and everything. And, and she said, uh, came to the very first turnout. She went, all right, which way do I go? I said, okay, here's what I, here's what I said. I said, go there and then there. And she just looked at me. And she's like, so there and then there? I said, yeah, go there and then there. And in my mind, I'm pointing, but I, I wasn't pointing. <laughs> I was just talking. And so I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. First left and then left again, or right and then left. She says, okay. So then we go right, we go left. About 40 minutes later, you had to make another turn. And as she's coming to it, you know what she said? Hey, where do I go next? Hey, what, what do I do next? I said, oh, we'll just go straight. We guys started going straight. We're going through Toppenish, going through this little you know, little town of Toppenish and uh, all the way up to the highway. And we're coming to the highway. And she says, okay. Where do I go now? And, and here's why. It's because she, she, doesn't, she doesn't drive that often. She doesn't drive that route often. And she drives a lot, but she knows Moses Lake. Well, why? It's because I like, I like to drive when we go on those long trips. Now, unless we're late, then she drives. <laughs> because we get there on time. <clears throat> Sorry, so much sarcasm going through my mind right now. Uh, not towards her. Never mind. Anyway, you know what? Yesterday, she needed the instructions. What do I do next? If we're honest, every one of us have times in our life when we have that question, like, what do I do next? Where do I go next? As we come to Nehemiah chapter number seven, if you've been in our study, then you'll recall what has taken place the book of Nehemiah opens up introducing us to the character of Nehemiah. He's a, a cupbearer in the in the king's palace. Uh, Shushan, the king's palace at the time this. Media Persian Empire. That uh, um, Nehemiah, of course, he was not Media Persian. He was Hebrew. But uh, the people of Israel they had been overrun by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Media Persian Empire. And so here's this Nehemiah. He's been raised in in uh, Susa or Shushan, and he's been raised there, this winter capital of the Media Persian Empire. He's the king's cupbearer. It's actually many would say, oh, well, he was just a lowly slave. No, no, no. The king's cupbearer was somebody who was respected. The king's cupbearer was somebody who needed to be trusted. The king's cupbearer was somebody who needed to be counted on. And so when we're introduced in the book of Nehemiah to Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer, we just find out a lot by him, just by that simple definition. But Nehemiah chapter one opens up with Hanani, Nehemiah's brother, traveling from Susa, Shushan, traveling 800 miles west to Jerusalem. He's there in Jerusalem for a few days and he comes back and Nehemiah asks him, hey, how are our people doing? Now, now note, remember, Nehemiah was not born in Jerusalem. He had not grown up in Jerusalem, but he was still, he was still saying, hey, that's my people, the Hebrew people. That's who I, I'm a, a child of. I'm a representative of God. God's people are my people. And he asked Hanani, hey, how are they doing? And, and how's the city? And Hannah and I begin to share with him the burden. Nehemiah, they're not doing good. Matter of fact, Nehemiah, the the people, they're a reproach. They're suffering affliction. They're dealing greatly with discouragement. Nehemiah, things aren't good. And on top of that, the walls are broken down and the, the gates, they've been destroyed and burned to the ground. And with all of that, Nehemiah began to get a burden for his hometown and he thought, man, what could I do? They're suffering affliction. They're a reproach to the name of God. What could I do to be a help? And so he, he gets this idea. You know what? I, I could go back and help them build the wall. Oh, but the book of Nehemiah is not about a wall. It's about the people who live within the wall. Nehemiah's burden was, if I build the wall, then maybe it'll help the people out. If I build the wall, then maybe the people will be able to not suffer affliction and not be a reproach anymore. And so... God orchestrates a lot of things, and Nehemiah is allowed by the king to go back and to build the wall. Nehemiah actually summarizes it this way in Nehemiah 2.8, that the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah understood, man, God is all over this. So he went back to uh, Jerusalem and he began to uh, help the people see the vision. And he's like, hey, listen, look at what God's done. And the people were like, all right, we are on board with what God's done. I mean, the king granted you permission and sent you uh, uh, materials and gave you letters of permission, and the king gave you a lot of time, and they saw God all in it. And so the people and Nehemiah, they start on, the, on this venture of building the wall. We've been through a lot with the series going from really chapter 3 to chapter 6 is all of the people that are building the wall and what took place and all of the, uh, the pressure. Remember all the outside pressure? from Samballat and Tobiah and, and from uh, Geshem and from all the Arabians and all of the uh, Ammonites and all of the uh, different groups around there that are attacking and, and coming after Nehemiah and saying, hey, you're doing a, a crazy thing. You're not gonna, foxes are going to walk upon your wall and it's going to crumble. And they had that pressure from the outside and yet they didn't stop. But they also had pressure from the inside, didn't they? If you've been with us in our series, then you'll recall the people on the inside, like people, Hebrew people that were supposed to be a help, were not. Those, there were some that they were uh, supposed to be there and, and going to uh, encourage, but they were a discouragement. Some who should have picked up a stone, but instead set back in, in snobbery and kind of said, well, this is, this is your job, not mine. People who begin to be antagonistic to Nehemiah and to the others. And so that pressure came from outside as well as from inside. And what we've learned is this simple thought. We'll see it even again very briefly this morning. That if you ever take a step of faith for God, the devil's going to fight. And anything you want to do for God, the devil is like, nope, not going to happen. You may be like, man, I'm going to be a better husband. The devil's like, nope, not going to happen. I'm going to fight that. Well, I'm going to be more faithful. Nope, not going to do that. Nope, I'm going to fight that. And pressures are going to come from outside and within. And the message that we looked at last was on Anniversary Sunday a few weeks ago of, hey, don't quit. Don't quit. Why? Nehemiah and them, they didn't quit. And 52 days later, the wall was built. 52 days later, the wall is finished. And that's where we ended a few weeks ago. The wall's done. It's complete. The gates are up. uh, There there are now um, different people who are being assigned places. But here's the thought. I wonder if the people of Israel thought this. Hey, the wall's done, Nehemiah. Now what? Now what's my purpose? Now what are we to do? Hey, Nehemiah, the walls are done. What do I do next? This morning, we're gonna look in Nehemiah chapter seven and we're gonna discover what Nehemiah helped them understand about when you're done building a wall, there's still work to be done. Now, you might say, okay, pastor, that's great. I'm not building a wall. Here's the application we're gonna make and we'll be, we'll be to it many times this morning. Their step of faith was building a wall. And after they took their step of faith, there was still more that needed to happen. And in your life and mine, we take steps of faith all of the time. But just because you take a step of faith doesn't mean the work is over. Just because you take a step of faith, just because you make the decision to begin reading the word of God doesn't mean it's just gonna come easy. Just because you make the decision to be a wife who's more supportive in the home and an encourager and not antagonistic doesn't mean it's just gonna instantly happen just because you decide to be the the husband who leads or the worker that says, you know what, I'm going to have character in the workplace and integrity in the workplace, just because you take a step of faith does not mean that the work is over. So what do we do next? Where to now? Nehemiah chapter uh, 7. Let's go to uh, Nehemiah 7 verse number 1. If you would stand with me, Nehemiah chapter 7 and and verse number one this morning. And we're gonna read just the first four verses, and then we'll go through the whole chapter, and I think it'll be a help to us today as we get going. Nehemiah chapter seven and verse number one, the word of God says this. Now, it came to pass when the wall was built, and I, this is Nehemiah speaking, I had set up the doors and the, the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. After all of that, I gave my, my brother Hanani. And Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, I gave them charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and and feared God above many. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his house. Now, the city, it was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not built All right, Nehemiah 7, the walls are done. Well, Nehemiah, what do we do next? Today, I want to say this as we get started before we pray and get into the message, is this thought. What good are walls if there's no one to stand guard upon the walls? I'll say it this way. What is the point of walls if there are no watchmen? What good are walls if we don't protect them? And the comparison I'm going to make this morning is this. What good are your steps for the Lord if you don't guard and protect them? Their step of faith was to build a wall. Our faith step may be to be consistent in the word or to be serious about reaching others with Christ. It may be to step out by faith and for our church to build a building, but what good are steps of faith if we don't protect them? And this morning, that's what we're going to look at is how even though you made a faith step, you need to remember the work is not over. That's one of a few points we're going to look at today. And so let's pray and let's get into the word this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a quick minute and ask God, God, would you please speak to me? God, would you speak into my heart today? And then would you make a commitment? God, as you speak to me, I'm I'm listening to you today. Dear Lord, I want to come before you and thank you for the Word of God, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us this morning as we go through the next few minutes and just discover some truths of your Word. I pray that you'd speak through me, help every one of us to understand that you want us to guard the decisions we've made for you. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you, and Lord, that you would grow us and use us today for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to Nehemiah 7 this morning, I want us to see, and and I really want it to connect this morning, that their step of faith, it was to build a wall. If you remember back in Nehemiah chapter 2 and chapter 3, when Nehemiah was, or chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, excuse me, when Nehemiah was presenting his case for building the wall, he was really telling them, hey, listen, this is a big deal hey, this is a big step for us, and it's going to take faith and all of us working together for this. And if you'll recall, Nehemiah, did not he didn't come into town and say, uh, hey, you guys are a bunch of lazy bums. Let's just, let's build the wall. What are you doing? You know, he didn't come antagonistically. He didn't ta- didn't come to push them. No, he came and basically was saying to them, hey, what we are going to do right here, it is going to take all of us giving all of us. That's what he was doing. It's going to be a huge step of faith. Well, now the wall is complete. The step has been accomplished. But what Nehemiah knew is that it was pointless. The wall was pointless if they didn't protect it. Because Nehemiah knew attacks were still going to come. And as you and I take steps of faith for the Lord, we need to know that attacks are always coming. Mark it down, and I think it's part of the message tonight, but the fact is this, that the devil, he is relentless. Like in your life, as as someone maybe who knows the Lord, and maybe you've trusted Christ and you've known God for a month or two months or for 55 or 60 years, regardless of where you're at and your Christian experience, the fact of the matter is this, the devil hates you, and he hates me. And he's trying to do anything he can to destroy our life and distract us from following God. He may destroy some lives by allowing riches to consume their mind. And on the outside, it won't look like a destroyed life, but on the inside, it's crumbling. He may destroy a life by breaking a marriage and a relationship that at one time was strong and healthy. He may destroy a life by just encouraging you to hit the snooze button one more time and miss the word of God again. You see, the devil, he's sneaky in his tactics, but the truth is that he's relentless. The enemy that was attacking Nehemiah and Nehemiah knew they were going to be relentless. And so, so Nehemiah, knowing this, he was saying, hey, we've got to protect the wall. And knowing that the devil is going to attack us, you and I need to protect our decisions for the Lord. We must stand guard. And what is the point of the decision? What is the point of that step for the Lord if I'm not going to protect it and determine to keep it? All right, pastor, I get it. So what do I do next? Next. I've made the decision for the Lord. I, I've made that decision to be a better husband or to read the word of God or to, "I've made that decision. What do I do next? Number one, this morning, I want us to look at what they did and discover that if we're going to stand guard and protect the decisions that we've made, number one, we've got to understand the work is never finished. The work is, is never finished. The verses we looked at in verse one and two, it says, now it came to pass when the wall was built that I had set up the doors and, and the, the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. And After that, I, I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. Verse three, it says that I told him to appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now that the walls are finished, Nehemiah knew that the work wasn't over. So what do he have to do? He, he appointed porters. The word porter is a gatekeeper. He appointed people, hey, you're in charge of that gate. You're in charge of the north gate. You're in charge of that the south gate. And you know, all the gates had different names, and we're not going to go through all that this morning. But hey, you're in charge of all of these gates. What were they? They were the gatekeepers. What else did he install? He started, installed singers. He say, well, what's a singer? Well, the singer, you can go through the list. I think it's uh, following this in Nehemiah 7 from verse 7 all the way down through verse number 73. There's a ton of different names, and listed in there are many of the singers. What were the singers responsible for? They were responsible for the worship. Did you know that uh, near the temple that God wanted worship to be taking place 24-7? That's why singing to the Lord is, is so very important. The worship of the Lord through song. They were in charge of leading and singing. You know know what Nehemiah knew? Hey, we need to keep people encouraged. Hey, there's going to be work. We're going to establish the singers. That way, that gatekeeper always is hearing somebody sing about the Lord and remembering, all right, there's purpose to this. Well, then what did he do? He set up the Levites. The Levites, they were those that were supposed to be pointing people to the Lord and drawing people in for for worship and the different things that you can go through and find of the Levites in the Old Testament. But the truth is that Nehemiah, he wanted to make sure, he wanted to make sure not only that the gates were protected, he wanted to make sure that the people were encouraged. Why? Because verse number three said, all of the people need to continue to watch. Verse number three, we saw it a second ago when he said, and a point watches over Jerusalem. And go to every family and tell every family, hey, at some point, you're going to have to stand guard. Well, why would they stand guard? Because the enemies were coming. And you can have a wall, but if there's no one to stand upon the wall and look out and warn of an enemy coming, the wall's pointless. And Nehemiah understood that the work is never finished. The, the walls are finished, but the work is not over. And so in appointing all of these people, he was simply saying, hey, just because you've taken a, a step of faith doesn't mean that the work is over. And the same is true in your life and mine. Just because you've taken a step of faith for the Lord doesn't mean the work stops. Now, what do we need to do? We need to remember that the devil's coming. We need to remember attacks can happen, and in your life and my life, the devil, as I've stated, he is always coming, and while we may have a a sense of accomplishment in our decision and saying, oh, uh, that step was a very good step, we need to understand that God is always working and the devil is always attacking. I have in my notes, it reminds me of that little kid's song Maybe you, if you grew up in church, you might remember it, but the little kid song, He's Still Working On Me. The song teaches, he's still working on me to, to make me what I ought to be. It took about a week to make the moon and the, and the stars, it took and, uh, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Why? Because he's still working on me. Here's the thought I want to get this morning, that the work's not finished. There are always steps of faith that you and I need to take. Paul said it this way in in Corinthians chapter three and verse number 18. He said, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. What Paul was saying when we're changed from glory to glory, he is saying, hey, there are always going to be more steps to take. And you and I need to recognize that in the Christian life, nobody, we say it often, nobody hits a pinnacle where you're like, man, I've accomplished this. I've got this church thing down. I've got this God thing down. I've got this Bible, I've got it all down. I remember talking to somebody years ago and he was like, I've got the whole Bible memorized. In the back of my brain, I wanted to be like, prove it. (laughs) But the truth is, listen, we're, we're never gonna be at a pinnacle. Why? There is always work to be done in the Christian life. There's always a new step of faith to take for the Lord. Not work in the sense of, okay, I've gotta do more for God and I've gotta perform more. No, 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 no. There's always growth steps that God has for you. And Nehemiah knew, hey, hey, folks, the wall's finished, but the work isn't over. So gatekeepers, you got a job. Singers, you've got a job. Levites, you've got a job. Families, you've got a job. Why? The work isn't over. In your steps of faith, we have got to remember that if I'm going to guard them, I've got to, number one, understand the work is never, never over. Number two, I've got to be aware of the enemy. Stay aware of the enemy. One of the reasons that Nehemiah set up watchmen is because he knew the enemy was never going to quit. He couldn't see the future. So Nehemiah didn't know exactly how the enemy was going to attack. He didn't know when or if they were going to attack. I mean, excuse me, he didn't know when they were going to attack, but he knew they were going to attack. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. When? And just because the wall is finished, Israel, Jerusalem, just because the wall is finished, that doesn't mean the enemy quit. Tobiah, you're gonna, we're gonna go through verse, chapters eight through 13 and you're gonna see that, you know what? The enemy, they are just getting going. The enemy, are gonna, they're gonna come after. They didn't look at the wall and go, man, that's a bummer. Well, I guess on to the next town. They didn't do that. Now, you know what? They saw the wall and they thought, how can we break through? They saw the wall and they thought, how can we destroy? You know what? The enemy, our enemy, as I said a moment ago, he is relentless. Well, what did did Nehemiah do? Well, Nehemiah, he, he came up with a plan. He said, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. Now, Honestly, you and I, we would look at that and we'd be like, what does that mean? The phrase simply means don't open the gates until you're sure the enemy is not nearby. The sun be hot means full daylight. Usually, usually in this day and age, the gates would be open at the break of day. I mean, as soon as as soon as the the moon's going down, the sun's coming up. I mean, you're looking maybe four or five in the morning would be a great time to get the gates open. Why? Start business early and you could get things going and you can use all the daylight. Nehemiah is saying, hey, stop. Let's not operate how we used to. Let's not operate by simply saying, come one, come all. Let's operate and let's only open the gates. Only make decisions when you know the enemy is not going to attack that day. Well, well why? When the sun was hot, you could look out. When the sun was hot, the, work, the workmen, or excuse me, the watchmen, when the sun was out, the watchmen could look out and know there's, there's no sneak attacks coming today. You know what I think this is? In the Christian life, we need to understand that sometimes... Sometimes we make, if I can use it this way, we make irrational decisions. We make irrational decisions when we're not seeing clearly. And there's a lot of things that can skew our vision. Emotions can skew our vision. Heartache can skew our vision. Uh, Discouragement can skew our vision. Frustration and anger and bitterness, it can skew our vision. And all too often, we kind of just go through life making decisions led emotionally rather than being led spiritually and saying, God, you shine your light in my life and help me not to make a decision unless it's a clear decision from you. And I think the principle for us to understand is the devil's going to attack your life. He's going to attack your life when you don't see him coming, those irrational decisions. And I just think this morning that we need to look and see that Nehemiah, he had this plan. Hey, we're only going to make decisions when we can see clearly. Second part of the verse, it says, and while they stand by, I love this, while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them. Those gatekeepers, hey, if they're standing there, if there's no one going in and out, even if it's daylight, shut the gates. Don't give easy access into your life. Don't give easy access into Jerusalem. And then he says this, and appoint watches in the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, and look at that last phrase, and everyone to be over against his house. You know what Nehemiah was doing? He was saying, hey, everybody's gonna stand watch, but I want everybody to stand watch by their house. Why? There's more ownership. When you're standing watch by your house, you're gonna be a little more keen, a little more dialed in, a little more uh, vigilant. Why? Because that's my house. That's my family, right? Today, many of you are here and, and you might have a, an alarm system at your home or, or security cameras at your home or, or something like that. In all honesty, while you may care about the homes of others here, uh, you're, you're not gonna pay for them to protect their home. You're gonna pay for you to protect your home. You're going to make sure that the alarm system works. You're going to make sure that if it's one of those that dials somebody, that they're, they're available, that if it's something that connects to your phone, that you have it the, the alert set, that you can see. Why? It's your home. It's your place. You're going to care a little bit more. I think that's one of the reasons that Nehemiah said, hey, everybody watches at your place. Why? Because you're going to be more aware. More aware of what? More aware that the enemy's coming. And I want you to know that you and I, we need to just stay aware of the enemy. Don't let your guard down. Don't, don't allow yourself to make decisions when you can't see clearly. See, when we take steps of faith, the devil, again, he's not going to give up. Their step was to build a wall. Yours may be to establish a new pattern in, in Bible study or prayer. Your step may be to, to stop uh, putting work over family. Your step of faith, it may be to devote more time to speaking about the Lord to your coworkers or to begin protecting what you watch or listen to or to make a, your social media habits better. I mean, I don't know what your step of faith is, but the truth is that when you make that step, know the devil's coming after you. I've said it before, but isn't it funny how one of the hardest days to get up is Sunday. Sunday. Now, maybe you're an early person, and if you are, would you please tell me your secret? <laughs> I am not an early morning person. Like, I hate mornings. I could begin to describe to you my loathing for mornings, but I, I won't this today. You know, what I? when I wake up in the morning, I, I'm always like, oh, 15 more minutes. Some days I'm like, oh, four more hours. <laughs> Recently, many of you know, we've... Uh, had guardianship over two nephews and a niece that moved in with us. And uh, you talk about life change because our kids, you know, our youngest is, is 12, okay? Micah's 12. Uh, Asher, my nephew, when we got him, he was a year and a half. That means I hadn't changed a diaper in like 10 years, 10 and a half years. That means like I've slept through the night consistently unless I kept myself up. I slept through the night consistently for like 10 years. And then comes along Asher. And I'm not exaggerating. This is not an exaggeration. You can ask Hannah. I I won't do it right now, but I would make her stand and affirm this. (laughs) The very first night we had Asher, he was up 18 times. Some of you are like, <laughs> <laughs> we have babies in our home right now. <laughs> ah, you know, making fun, I don't know. You know what? 18 times. I tell you, I, uh, I like sleep. You know what I did that morning when I woke up? I leaned over to Hannah, and I think with a tear in my eye, I was like, I can't. <laughs> I need sleep. Say, why are you telling us this? Because it's a rabbit trail, and that's what pastors do every now and then. (laughs) But the point I'm getting at is, you know what the devil likes to do? He likes to do anything to distract you from taking the next step. And so you might say, I want to be consistent in the word of God. That's going to be the night that the, the baby's up all night. Because that morning, instead of getting up and reading the word, you're hitting the snooze button and Sunday comes around, and it's, I want to be in church, and, and Sunday's here, and, and it's like, well, man, I woke up late. They'll live stream. Some of our live stream people are like, oh, pastor. <laughs> I get it. There's some people that live stream because they need to, and that's totally fine. That's why we have it that way. There's others that, that live stream because it's comfortable, and I would encourage you, be at church. But here's what I'm getting at this morning that Whatever step of faith you take, the devil's always going to fight it. So stay aware. Stay aware. Be aware of that. This is why... Uh, We read in the scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hey, you need to be strong in the Lord. You need to be close to the Lord. Why? Because the devil's always coming. So what was Nehemiah doing? He was saying, hey, if we're going to protect our walls, we've got to remember the work is never finished. We've got to remember to stay aware of the enemy, but then we've got to understand that there is more to come. What do you mean there is more to come? There's more good things to come. And if you were to go, and I won't be long on this point, but verse number four, uh, there's so many ways we could go with this. But what God laid on my heart this morning is this, the city was large and great, but the people were few therein and the houses were not built. You know, what Nehemiah was saying, hey, there was still more work to be done. There were still more people to come. There were still more houses to, to build up and give people a home. Hey, God is still working, so we better guard what God has already done. And you know what I love about this thought is the fact that Nehemiah could just see further down the road, and his goal was not, okay, my goal is to get you to accomplish this step and this step of building the wall alone. No, 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 no. We're building a wall because we want to fill this city with people. We, we're building a wall because we, we want to give them a home and a, establish a house, and we want the Hebrew people who have been literally out of this place for over 100 years, we want them to come in here and realize this is your home. Home, we are your people. He is your God. There is more in store. This is what Nehemiah is getting across to them. I believe, and we've seen this throughout our series. But the fact is that uh, God is always—he is always going to bring more steps of faith in your life. So protect the decisions you have made, and by faith, keep moving forward for Him. There is more to come. So the work is worth it. Yeah. Hey, standing guard for your. Hey, Dad. Your decision to be faithful to God, it is worth protecting because your kids are watching. Yeah. Hey, hey, mom, your decision to be consistent in the word of God, it is worth protecting. Why? Because your husband, he needs you. Hey, coworker, your decision to to be faithful, to witness at work, it needs you to to, to continue and to guard that decision. Why? Because you don't know what God could be doing in the heart of that coworker. And and they may not trust Christ today, but it may be five or 10 or 12 or 15 years down the road and they go, you know what? Man, they have something different than I have. So guard your decisions. Why? Because there is more to come. We see this morning if we're going to stand guard, if we're going to protect our decisions, our steps of faith for the Lord, we must understand the work is never finished. We must stay aware of the enemy. We must realize there is more to come. But lastly, we must continue to develop a burden, faith, and reverence. So how does all that flow together, Pastor? I love verse two. Verse two, and this is where we'll finish today. Paul said after, excuse me, Paul, Brian and I just had a conversation the other day. Paul wrote like 13 or 14 books of the New Testament. So pretty often you'll hear a pastor say, Paul wrote, it's because he probably did. He didn't write Nehemiah though. Yeah. <coughs> Nehemiah, he said this, hey, after we set up the, the porters, after I set up the singers and the Levites, I needed to make sure that the city stayed protected. And so I put two people in charge. Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the ruler of the the castle, the palace. Two different people. But I want you to notice something about both of these people. Nehemiah said, I put up Hanani. Why'd you put up Hanani? Someone, Someone here might say, well, it's his brother. You know, nepotism. He's a little favorite. It's a little favoritism. I don't believe that's why. If you're to go back to Nehemiah chapter number one, do you want to know where everything started? Everything started because Hannah and I showed up and said, Dude, that's in the Hebrew. (laughs) Some of you are just catching that. He he said to his brother, Man, like, things are bad. Nehemiah said, Well, tell me how bad. Nehemiah, I've got such a burden. Our people are hurting. Nehemiah, our city is in ruins. Nehemiah, neither one of us have ever lived there, but you've got to see it. And you know what? You know what Hannah and I had? Han and I had a burden. You want to know why I believe that Nehemiah put him in charge? Because Han and I was going to see this thing through. His burden wasn't just for a wall. His burden was for the people. Can I tell you what it's going to take for you to keep your steps of faith guarded, you've got to stay burdened. Don't become complacent. How many church chairs, I was going to say church pews, but we have chairs. How many church rows or pews or chairs are filled with complacent Christians? You know, it's just kind of like, eh, I'm good with where I'm at. I'm good with everything going on. I'm good with, no, stay burdened. Burdened for what? Burdened for the things of God. Burden for the people of God. Burden for a message from God. That's why every service I, I we say, hey, would you ask God to speak to your heart? Why? It's not because I'm trying to uh, do something all weird and superstitious. No, I want us to stay burdened. Listen, if you can wake up and go through life in this culture and not be burdened for some things, there's some serious issues that need to ha- need to be dealt with. Why? We can just, just, just go look at what, what's taking place. Go look at the news. Yeah. Go, go look and talk to your friends and, and your loved ones and your coworkers. You know what this world is doing? This world is falling apart. Yeah. Why? I think a lot of it is because Christians have forgotten to stay burdened. I need to to stay concerned about things going on around me. So Hananiah, he's going to be in charge of this. Why? Because he'll stay burdened. Well, who else did he choose? He chose Hananiah. And notice what it says about Hananiah. It says, he was a faithful man and feared God above many. If we're going to protect our decisions for the Lord, we have to stay burdened, but we also have to stay faithful. You know what Hananiah was when it says that he was a, a ruler of the palace this would be a, a castle, um, um, an area that's set up in Jerusalem that would be a point of really kind of a, a point for a watchman and all of that. We won't get into it this morning, but he was a ruler. And do you know what his characteristic was? Hey, he's faithful. Hey, Hananiah, he's trustworthy. Hey, you know who Hananiah is? He's consistent. Hey, we can count on him. You know what Nehemiah knew? He knew that since the work wasn't done, he needed to set up people that he could trust and people that he could count on. And so Hananiah was the first person that Nehemiah set up, but then he also said, well, I need somebody who's faithful. Who's faithful? Oh, Hananiah is faithful. Hananiah is faithful. Can I tell you this morning that one of the main characteristics that God is looking for in your life and in my life is the characteristic of faithfulness. You see, being faithful to the Lord and his people, it helps me determine that I'm not going to give up. No matter what comes my way, listen, I'm not throwing in the towel. Why? I, I Because there's more to this than me. Hananiah, he was consistent. The number one thing that God is looking for in your life is faithfulness. You know, at church, not everyone in, in, in life and in ministry, not everybody can sing. Just there, there's some people that can't sing. Not everybody can speak. I was telling our starting point class this morning a statistic that is out there that uh, the number one fear of people polled was, was uh, public speaking. The number two fear was death. Seriously, on the study, like people would rather die than speak in public, not everyone can sing, not everyone can speak, not everyone can clean, not everyone can be good with kids, not everyone can play an instrument, not everyone can greet, not everyone can, not everyone can do everything, but everyone can be faithful. That's why, that's why it's stated that God is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, you need to protect the decisions you've made for the Lord. Hey, stay burdened. Number two, stay faithful. And lastly today, stay reverent. Stay reverent. What else was Hananiah? It said that he feared God above many. That fear God, it doesn't mean, oh no, God, you're gonna hurt me. It means a holy reverence for God. And you know what Nehemiah knew? Hey, if I set up somebody that reveres God and is reverent towards God, I'm setting up somebody that will want to honor the name of God. I'm setting up somebody that will continue to follow God. I'm setting up somebody that's not going to care about what everybody else is doing. He lives for the audience of one. And you know what you need and I need in my life? Really, this, I think this one's at the, at the foundation of it. I'm going to keep the decisions that I make for God if I'm going to stay aware of the enemy, if I'm going to understand the work isn't over, if I'm going to be faithful, if I'm going to stay burdened, then my view of God is going to affect all of that. And my view of God should be, Lord, I revere you above anyone or anything. This is why we say at Moses Lake Baptist that you want to know why you should come to church? It shouldn't be because you're trying to please a pastor. I'm glad you're here today. It's an encouragement to my heart for our church to to see people. But don't come for me. Don't serve for me. Don't don't get up tomorrow and read your Bible for your spouse. No, come to church, serve, read the word of God, be be a Christian at the workplace, do all of it because you love him. It's all about him. This is what Hananiah had, and this is what Zachariah or excuse me, this is what Nehemiah knew. Nehemiah, he said, Hey, if I'm gonna set up somebody who's gonna help this city, it's gonna be my brother, he's burdened. It's gonna be Hananiah, he's faithful, but he also cares about what God thinks. And God alone, he's reverent. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.